7.33. So search efforts are looking rather bleak at this point. Uh, Because of the weather conditions mainly, efforts to track down four missing South Korean volunteer teachers and three Nepali Sherpas have stuttered. Uh, They went missing in an avalanche in the Himalayas last Friday, but the, the weather's proving this huge challenge and we saw efforts again yesterday called off. We're hearing that Nepalese officials have pinned down two locations, though, where the missing climbers are suspected to be buried, just to reiterate that point, after they carried out operations using a metal detector. Let's get a a sense of what the situation would be like on the ground there with Alan Arnett, who's a veteran mountaineer and coach, providing consultation to climbers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, It's a Brutal question if you are connected in any way to these climbers or indeed if you are just emotionally connected to the story in any way. But how likely is it that these trekkers at this point might be found still alive? Well, it's a tragic situation and my condolences to all of their family and friends and teammates. Um, In an avalanche situation, uh, life expectancy is usually measured in minutes, not in hours or days um, because of the the, how much snow was involved in this particular avalanche is just astounding. Uh, you know, it's up to five meters have fallen uh, after the original avalanche, which was triggered after only two meters of uh, fresh snow. So if you have seven meters of snow, um, it's, um, people will not survive that. Just out of curiosity, because there are occasionally these miraculous stories of people surviving avalanches, uh, is that pure luck? Is there anything someone can do if they're in an avalanche to actually improve their chances of survival? Yes, if you're up, if you um, are an experienced, let's say, backcountry skier, and you take an avalanche training classes, then they teach you that as soon as uh, the avalanche, you get caught in it, you start swimming like you're swimming in water and that you try to create an air pocket so that you do have oxygen. But if you have uh, feet or meters above you, uh, that's going to quickly, that oxygen supply is uh, going to quickly um, evaporate or just go away. So um, you might survive. You might be able to extend your survival by a few minutes, but uh, certainly not uh, two or three days later. Yeah, and and, and so the weight of the situation just means digging out is, is impossible. Yeah, I mean, the snow also freezes around you, and it becomes like concrete, and literally um, you cannot move. That's the reason they tell you to swim and just to fight for your life. And and the other problem is that you get very disoriented in an avalanche, and you don't know which way is up Uh, and which way is down. A common technique is to to spit and to see which way your spit goes, and so that tells you, you know, which way is up and which way is down based upon gravity. But these are techniques which are utilized and taught to uh, to people who are in the backcountry or in avalanche uh, terrain on a regular basis. My understanding is this was um, a group of teachers, and I'm not sure how much uh, avalanche training that they had had. Yeah, volunteer teachers at that, and it's just suffocating even listening to you describe those details. Uh, it's horrifying. Uh, but thank you for putting that into perspective for us at this point uh the uh the annapurna region is it known to be avalanche risky uh it certainly is at this time of year uh this is really not the main uh, uh trekking season it's more in um in the springtime or in the autumn in january this is uh you know this is literally in the in the middle of winter and uh, having heavy snow. And this year, that part of Nepal has had 
snow, which have um, snow levels which they haven't seen in 20 years. And uh, this area had been already highlighted as uh, being very risky. So um, I'm a little surprised that there were people trekking in this area, especially going to Annapurna Base Camp uh, in the middle of January. Yeah, but it's not like the the volunteer teachers just went for a stroll on their own. They were guided by Sherpas, and and, and in fact, three of them are still missing as well. So uh, why on earth would they have led this exhibition? That's even more disturbing because in 2014, in the same general area, 40 people died in a raging snowstorm. And they mostly died from frostbite and exposure, not from avalanches. But uh, that really heightened the awareness of the um, of the uh, Ministry of uh, Tourism in Nepal. And they uh, enacted a lot of rules, which, uh, as usual, are never, ever followed through, uh, to have weather forecast and to have guides constantly checking in. And this was, um, they, I read one report that said that it was uh, nice, calm conditions, but we all know that mountain weather changes very quickly. And so I'm very surprised that these guides um, were allowing their clients to go in this, especially this particular area, which was known to be uh, dangerous and have avalanche risk. And if you have that much fresh snow, um, you're just really gambling at that point. The fact that there were initial survivors as well suggests that it really would have come down to where you were standing, I suppose, at the time of the avalanche? Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Um, and also, avalanches move so fast. I mean, it can move, uh, you know, 60 miles an hour that you literally cannot outrun it. All, the best that you can do is you can try to go perpendicular to it to get out of the, the immediate flow. Uh, and also, a lot of times it brings down rock and trees, so people can be um, killed by uh, so-called objective hazards as well, as well as being just buried by the, by the avalanche itself. Right. It happened at Everest Space Camp in 2015 after the earthquake, and that's where 12 people died in that that case. Even in favorable conditions, i.e. not during this very risky time of year, would you say that this is a, an appropriate activity for volunteer teachers visiting Nepal? Well, absolutely. During uh, during the normal times, um, the Annapurna Circuit is, is um, one of the most popular treks in the entire world, and, it's, and it's, it has stunning beauty, and uh, normally it's, it's fairly safe. But um, when you go on the shoulder sides or you go outside of the main um, autumn and spring seasons, then you're just in, inviting that uh, increased risk. Yeah, I mean, hiking and, and mountain climbing, it's one of the most popular pastimes here in our very rocky peninsula. So you can understand why the the, the teachers might have been interested in doing it in the first place. Um but the altitude around this camp, it's known to be about 3,230 meters and, right. and with, with more right. snow expected in the coming days. Uh, and, and based on everything you've said so far, even just recovering what might be bodies at this point, what, what kind of challenges will rescue officials face? Is, is it possible that they will never be discovered? It certainly is. That's a, that's a high likelihood, and that's not an uncommon outcome in these type of situations. The challenge is that um, this particular location is a two- to three-day uh, automate, uh, vehicle ride plus of trekking to even get to that area from Pokhara, which is the closest major city. Uh, you can take helicopters in, but you know if the, if the helicopters can only fly in good weather. So if you're expecting more and more bad weather, and you know this is winter, this is the middle of January, so you really don't expect to have the pristine days that you do in spring and autumn. 
so if it's cloudy, then the low visibility, the helicopters won't go in. So that means people are going to be going in by foot, which I understand there's already scores of uh, searchers there. But uh, a couple of the pictures that I saw just showed the standard um, or a very uh, normal or typical avalanche debris field. And if that debris field is, let's say, four to five, six meters deep, um, and then they did not have any type of beacons that they can locate them. It literally is looking for um, you know, a needle in a haystack. And at some point, um, it becomes a, a futile effort, and you have to wait until either the snow melts in the summertime, if it, if it does, because often these type of debris fields do not um, melt, um, or it over the natural movement over decades, um, eventually the bodies um, come out of the snow. And we've seen that on other mountains around the world. What about these stories of the locations being pinpointed using metal detectors? Uh, it depends on how deep the snow is. A metal detector can only go down maybe a meter. So if somebody was got pushed up towards the top, then that's a possibility. But again, if you have um, you know this this debris field the size of a football pitch, um, if that's a it's a very labor intensive, time intensive and potentially risky to the uh, rescuers or the searchers because um, if there's more snow comes and more fresh snow, they have to give that. The rule of thumb is that you give fresh snow uh, 24 to 48 hours to settle before you, before you touch it. So, you know, if they, if they get more snow while they're there, that just adds to the delay. So, you know, the body retrieval uh, becomes a very tedious uh, long-term task and tragic. One other maybe glimmer of hope I, I don't know if it's much of a glimmer I have a feeling you're going to give us um, uh, an answer that's going to be rather bleak and and, and realistic on this but uh, the possibility of them not being buried but rather outside somewhere and being looked after by the Sherpas uh, or sheltered in some way is that even a remote possibility? Um, you know there, you never say never in a situation like this as you noted earlier um, you know miracles happen and and the unexpected is, is often a shock. Uh, it's very possible that um, the wind blast, uh, when it, what precedes an avalanche, is often a very strong wind blast, and they could have been pushed off to the side or pushed into a rocky ravine someplace, and, and they're injured. So I'm sure the rescuers will look in the adjacent areas to the debris field. Um, so, you know, there's always a possibility that somebody um, did not get buried or did not get hit by, you know, other hazards, and um, that they're waiting for a rescue to come. So, it's, you, know, you know, I don't want to be totally negative. Right. So it's a possibility. It's a low possibility, but, you know, there's always a chance. Uh, again, for those who are most strongly emotionally connected with this, those who will be grieving perhaps already or, or, or extremely anxious, waiting for some news, they will want to see local efforts to ensure something like this doesn't happen again. It's, it's something we often see from relatives who, who, who challenge sort of channel that energy of, of sadness towards trying to produce something positive. Is there anything that can be done to better enforce the regulations that you mentioned earlier or to enforce stricter regulations? Well, Nepal has a poor history of, um, they, have a, they have an excellent history of reacting uh, with, with a lot of uh, press releases and a lot of um, bravado about what they're going to do to make trekking or mountain climbing or, or rafting safer but they have a very poor history of ever following through. So the best thing that the families can do is to hold the, the ministry and the tourism um, officials accountable by, by having their voices heard 
and demanding that but some of these regulations, which are very well thought out, but they're never implemented, mainly due to the instability in the government. But if the family members can hold the, um, the officials accountable and just make sure they know, and then eventually uh, it all comes down to money and to tell the uh, Department of Tourism that people are not going to come to Nepal unless they enact some of these regulations. And that's the only thing that ever really gets their attention is, is the fear of losing revenue in a very poor country. Right. Um, also, I mentioned before, there's great enthusiasm for hiking, trekking, climbing in this country. And there may be people listening now who still harbor a, a dream of perhaps even climbing Everest one day or, or, or visiting the Himalayas and tackling some of its peaks. There are obviously, apart from weather conditions, things like altitude sickness to bring into consideration and, and being properly prepared in all sorts of ways. What would your general advice be? So going to Nepal is a beautiful country. It is stunning. If you ever have a chance to go, even do a trek, much less climb a mountain, it, I promise you it will change your life forever for the good. Um, the people are just beautiful people. The Sherpas is an amazing culture. You know, Buddhism and the and the uh, the monasteries uh, just it just touches you in ways you never can imagine. And you have to be personally responsible for yourself. You have to go there well-prepared. If you're going to climb a mountain, you have to have the um, experience in lower mountains to understand how your body reacts at altitude. If you're going to trek, you have to be in good physical shape. In all conditions, you have to have the right gear, um, and you have to go with qualified guides that really have the experience. And also they have the medical skills to understand if you get altitude sickness, how uh, to take care of you but also understand the terrain and how to read avalanche conditions um, and weather and have the communications capability as well as the interpersonal skills to perhaps tell you to turn around when you really want to keep going because that's the best thing for you. So really it's a, it's a buyer beware environment and personal responsibility. When you go on a climb or on a trek to assume that if you get in trouble, someone's going to save your life is a, is a fatal mistake. You have to be personally responsible by having the right preparation and the right experience. But it's a great opportunity. Uh, Alan Arnett, veteran mountaineer and coach, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thanks for having me.